everybody, and welcome back to this week's episode of Twist, Turns, and One-Liners. This week we watched Oppenheimer, our first movie on the podcast that is in theaters I'm sure right now. At, it probably was at this point. By the time this episode comes out, it may not be there anymore. Right. I was going to say that. Yep. Um, but yeah, so it came out this year, 2023. Um, for anyone living under a rock, <laughs> the movie is about... Uh, the real story of J. Robert Oppenheimer, the guy who, what do you call that, invented, founded yeah. the research and the invention of the atomic bomb, mm-hmm. um, has some great star-studded cast mm-hmm. members. Um, we got Killian Murphy, Emily Blunt, Matt Damon, Robert Downey Jr., uh, oh, Florence Pugh which I have lots of feelings about. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is three hour. This was a three hour movie mm-hmm. and we watch a lot of long movies on the podcast. Um, however, this being three hours in the theaters, sober dog. <laughs> but I had to take a bathroom break at one point because I wasn't going to last a three hours. So I did miss a part, very a very brief part that ended up being like, Colton, when I came back, told me what happened, and I was like, "Oh, that's kind of big moment that I missed." Mm-hmm. So I probably should have asked you when I should have stepped out. But anyway, so just putting that out there for anyone listening, uh, I missed like kind of a slightly crucial part. But anyway, <laughs> to s- oh, also to preface with this episode, I started a new job recently, so my brain is like all over the place, <laughs> and we saw this movie a few days ago, so. Trying to remember the plot exactly and scenes is going to mm. be slightly hard. I told well, Colton before this that it's going to be like pulling teeth. So it'll be all right. It's not I, like we. It's well, not like we need to get too far deep into the weeds with. Yeah. Well, know. this movie's so long that like it would just kind of be a waste of our time to like nitpick the whole thing. Right. And I think we have. I have enough that I want to talk about mm-hmm. to fill the episode. But why don't you go first? Is there anything you want to bring up right away? Um, I don't know. This is one of those. It was one. It's one of those movies where it's. It seems at the at the start of it, at the very start of the movie, um, it's very chaotic. Where it's it's jump jumping around a lot between the different time frames, right? Yeah. Like it. It does. It's not. I mean, it does, it takes just a little bit to kind of get a grasp on the format, right? Yeah, which I wouldn't have if you didn't tell me. Right. So the, the, I mean, the, the over, the overarching like signal, right, is anything in, and this is confirmed, like this for sure how it is, right? Uh, anything You're in not co- just guessing. <laughs> right, right. Anything in color is Oppenheimer's point of view. Anything in black and white is whoever else it, i mean usually um louis strauss yeah um that's robert Downey jr's character yep. okay and um but not even taking that into account just like you know we we come into him kind of being you know interrogated right that's kind of the whole that's the whole backbone to the that's the backbone to the entire movie right is this like this like uh 
I don't know if you want to call it a hearing or, or session on him and his and maintaining his clearance, right? Yeah. You don't really, you don't real. I don't think it's, I'm not sure when it's made clear that that's what that is for, but at the very least, you know, they're asking him the question, these like these questions and we're getting these glimpses of these like little like flashbacks at the start it's kind of bouncing all around yeah and it, go ahead there's almost three timelines because yeah there's the two perspectives but then there's yeah it, we're just gonna call his a hearing mm-hmm. they're having a hear or like a private hearing well, I think for for him and I, then he's telling the story which is arguably yeah. like another perspective or another timeline, and then there's the timeline of the session where, what is it, Strauss? Strauss you're right. Um, I would in say in front of all the legislators. I was gonna. I would say for, I don't know, just the way I would think about it. No, nah, that doesn't even. I, I was just what I was thinking is think of the hearing as present. All the stuff that they talk about in the hearing past, right? And you can almost think of the Strauss stuff as like future, right? Yeah. Yeah. I get it. I mean, it. obviously, that's the order I understand it happens in. It, yeah. I'm just saying in terms of, like, referencing different parts, right? Oh, oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Sure, okay. I understand it. I think that was really confusing um, for the common listener, if I had to guess. Like, or watcher, mm-hmm. viewer. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's, you, you had to really be start, paying attention, I think. I if think you were not st- paying attention fully, that was not easy to understand at this start for sure but i think once once the cuts became fewer and further between it was much easier to follow uh-huh. like at the beginning we were bouncing around quite a bit but then once you i think it's once he attends that first that first like um like communist party like thing yeah i think that's where it starts to settle down Mm-hmm. And you start to see longer glimpses and you actually hear him talk about stuff, right? Because mm-hmm. at the beginning you have him as, as you know, the young student who's like losing sleep because of these visions he's saying he was haunted yeah. with. And so like you get all those quick, quick things until like just to basically say, just to basically for all that to say like he's not, this is, that's where he like diverges into the theoretical realm of things. He's not like, because he says straight up, he's like, I'm not. Says something along the lines of like, I don't like lab work. It's boring. Like, right. He, his brain was built for bigger and better things. Right. <laughs> I actually really liked, you know, the way they portrayed his, like the inside of his mind. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool. I now I'm remembering thinking about it. I thought the the scene of him like poisoning the apple of his teacher was like now having seen the rest of the movie was super random. Yeah, so two things two things with that. Just one my own opinion on the at least how that all goes down. I mean, I think the thing is he's you know he's not sleeping. He's not I think the idea is he wasn't in a mind space where he's making rational thoughts because mm-hmm. you know it he as soon as he he sleeps like actually has like sleeps through whatever he wakes up you know has the oh shit what did i do why did i do that yeah and then he runs to fix it yeah um and so i think that's just the whole thing is he wasn't like it's clear he was passionate about stuff just not that stuff and getting shit for it 
wasn't sitting well with him. Yeah. And he is like kind of just like fucked talk up about mind like space. taking it to 11. But I think, <laughs> I think with that, like, I'm not, I'm not just going to like do something to my teacher. I'm going to poison <laughs> yeah. and kill him. Yeah. The, the only problem, and I don't know, I can't say specifically, but I think, I don't know if it's one of his kids or one of his, one of his living relatives, current living relatives. Of Oppenheimer? Yeah. Of the entire movie, that was the only part, if I recall, that was the only part that they drew, that they like had criticism about because mm. I don't, I think, I don't think it's, it wasn't like a, I don't think it was substantiated anywhere. Sure. That was just kind of a thing they added for movie effect possibly. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it wasn't that big, big, wasn't that big of a part of the movie. So it doesn't bother me too much but yeah, i think just I, looking back it felt unnecessary i think <laughs> i'm i'm assuming i'm assuming that if it isn't out of anywhere it's a way of portraying the thoughts of wanting to kill someone you know like you know <laughs> what i mean when you get pissed off it's like man i could fucking just kill that guy or whatever I, yeah sorry i'm i'm laughing because it's just like so ridiculous what we're talking about yeah. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, I get it. I think with a three hour movie, you know, I I get that they had to, they wanted to show his start to where he ended up Mm -hmm. and it's hard to pick a starting point, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, So it makes sense to start, you know, when he was. Well, and two, I think that's why it was so rapid fire at the beginning because they weren't going to sit and they weren't going to sit and stew in it. Right. They wanted to keep it, keep her moving. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, I mean, I don't really remember much between him poisoning the apple and essentially like getting the team together for Oh, oh, he went to work at that research place. So So I don't know if it was research. It's at some point it's it's mixed into there that we get that like little backstory thing from Strauss where you know, it's a flash forward at that point in the movie. Well, you know, it's between what we were saying, what I was saying would be present and future. Yeah. Somewhere, um, somewhere around there, maybe just before actually present. I can't remember exactly where the timeline lines up, but, um, where he's like trying to get, recruit him to be the head of this, yes. this place. He says the house is there. He's like, oh, and then, uh, Einstein's out on the lawn. He goes, I can introduce you. He goes, oh, no, don't worry about it. Yep. We know each other. Yep. So you see that whole thing, and there's the, that's the... That becomes a very crucial scene. Right, that's the setup for the big punchline at the end, right? Right. So I would say that, of the beginning stuff, that's pretty important, right? But then he, you know, in back to the whole flashback part, he's basically doing this big tour around Europe, Mm-hmm. trying to get like learn as much as he can about stuff mm-hmm. so he can bring that knowledge back to the states yep so he comes back to the states and he starts the theoretical physics department at, at california berkeley berkeley that's right so it's at that point that he starts I to remember. make the make the relationships with people that end up turning into this group that works on yeah um, works at los alamos that's right that's yep. right okay yeah, I mean, I think they did a good job pacing that build up. Mm-hmm. Um, I just frankly was bored, and not because they did it badly. Like it just, I didn't care. I think, <laughs> I think the payoff though comes later. 
uh, when they are focusing more on the hearing or his like little private hearing, you know, when they start throwing these accusations at him, like the point of showing like him going to those meetings, him supporting the unions, him send like all that stuff. The point of sending that stuff is because is to show, you know, we're witnessing him being passive is not the right word, but he's just like he says later on, he goes, I or like his, his wife says in the same hearing, basically saying, yeah, he support like the, he supported these things, but he was never like, you know, a party member. He was right. never this, never that. He is like supported causes associated with them, but it wasn't necessarily an all in thing. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the point of showing us all those things because when the, he starts that's what they were using as ammo against him. Yes. Right. He's like, yeah. oh, you were, you donated money through our two yeah. communist channels. He's like, no, not two, through. Like, yeah, yeah. Yada, yada, yada. And that, I think it's supposed to tick you off is what it's supposed to because we saw how it was happening and then we see how they're spinning it. Right. Later. Well, and it's, you know, it's in that we see him throughout his teaching at Berkeley. What I thought was really cool when they show his you know, experience as a teacher. At first he has one student mm-hmm. and then it slowly builds. Cause at first I saw the one student and I was like, Oh, that's mm-hmm. so sad. But it was cool to watch it build. And then I remember that scene where, um, Oh man, the other guy that's teaching at Berkeley, who mm-hmm. he's kind of friends with the, the guy that runs the lab, the lab at Berkeley. Yes. Uh, when he comes in, uh, at one point and, Oppenheimer has on the chalkboard like something about yeah, he's communism. A, you, uh, you shouldn't allow them to bring politics into the into the classroom. He's like, I wrote that. Yeah, yep. yeah. And then so that's where we kind of see it. We're seeing like I, I didn't know that's where this movie was going to go. Like I didn't know there was going to be communism in it. Mm-hmm. Um. So then I feel like from there, then we we see him at that party, which. Am I correct in that his brother and his brother's wife brought him to that party? So they were, yeah, they got invited. They weren't party members yet to the first one. None of them were party members, but his brother and and his wife were thinking about joining. Yeah. And they were bringing him along to kind of be like, hey, this is something that we like really believe in and we want you to kind of see see what it's about. Yeah. And also... Uh, did you notice anything? Well, it was obvious. So I guess it's not really, did you notice, but whatever. (laughs) Um, there was like a weird energy between Oppenheimer's brother's wife and Oppenheimer. Like, do you remember that? Yeah, I think it was, yeah, he's, I think it was, it was the whole, like, um, we've met, but I don't remember you sort of a thing. Yeah. He was like saying that he didn't remember her name and stuff, Mm -hmm. which I thought was like a weird thing to slip in. And I'm sure that had deeper meaning, but I didn't understand. I think it was more, I think it's just like, he's preoccupied. Okay. Too preoccupied to, and the idea is like, oh, you're too preoccupied to even remember your brother, your brother's like wife or fiance at the time. Yeah. They they might not have been married yet. I don't think. Oh, okay. I I think they may have just been engaged. Right. Yeah. But it's at that party where he meets, uh, what is her name? Jean. Mm-hmm. Um, who is a communist party member mm-hmm. at that party. Um, I don't think anything else is really important from that 
just, party scene. Like I think, I think the at first I thought they didn't like each other, and then well, it, I think <laughs> it, it's one of those things where they. I think it is one of those things where there's like that haters she, to lover. She she's very um she was very confident and and um she felt strongly about her beliefs, right? And then here's this guy who she's wants to tell off because of what it seems like he would be like, yeah. but in reality like he pushes he pushes back without it being like they they clash they clash but not like from a point of like I fucking hate you it's more of like a <laughs> I don't know it's like to like cuz I think the whole thing is like he's very he's very comfortable and confident in his beliefs and she is too I think that's probably where the yeah thing happens It's weird because I think from the outside Especially, I don't know why, but it feels like an added layer with Killian Murphy as the role. But I thought they were setting up Oppenheimer to be one of those people that is so engrossed in his work that he doesn't have time for anything else. So the fact that he had, I mean, two different love interests in this movie, and then it's kind of revealed at the end that he was, like, helping cheat, like he was sleeping with other Mm -hmm. married women... That kind of like threw me for a loop just because I thought we were setting him up to be like one of these guys who's really passionate about his work and doesn't have time for his love life. And then it was like, it's kind of a scumbag. I think it's, <laughs> yeah, I think it's one of those things where it, I think it was, he, he would make time for the, he would make time for the fling type. Yeah. He doesn't, but then once the fling, you know, with his wife, once the fling type turns into the family thing, he's like, ah, shit. There's there's all that extra time (laughs) that comes with the family thing. And he, I I don't think he was digging it. Right. I mean, not to defend it, but that's, if I imagine that was, yeah, that's the analysis of the character. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, what did you think of Matt Damon's character? I the is the per he's the like epitome of like you know how the government General works. Leslie Groves like it right he, it's the whole need to know you know his whole the whole thing was everything needs to be compartmentalized mm-hmm. obviously he was a little bit more fa- like uh I think a good way maybe a good way to look at it and just segueing from the you know his relationship with uh what did we say her name Gene? was Jean you know they in that conversation they have. Um, they were talking about like she was like, oh, you don't like believe in any any like you don't show any conviction for one thing. He goes, oh, I like to have a little bit of wiggle room. And then they have the conversation. They go on to like like quote like some of the uh, like communist writings or whatever. Oh, then that book. Yeah, and then she says something about she says something about how she likes to have her wiggle room too. Yeah, I think I think Matt Damon's character is the same way, right? Because he ha- he for sure is following orders and doing the things he's supposed to do, but obviously he has to, he ends up leaving space for wiggle room because he believes that that's the only way it's going to get done, right? Mm-hmm. Because he obviously he keeps calling for you know keeps saying like hey you got to do this and then up and never doesn't do it, but then it's just then nothing comes of it, right? Yeah, and then like you know the whole time he's like we need to get my my brother needs to be here, and then he keeps saying no, keeps saying no, but eventually, eventually his brother ends in. up being there. Yeah. So I think it's the, I think I think that's kind of where these I think that's where he fits in 
fits in with Oppenheimer, right? It's that like they're both very committed to the thing, the things that they're doing, and but they are in they're smart enough to know that you have to be able to pivot, right? Yeah, to me, he just personified that stereotype, like you were saying, of the government worker that's just bullheaded, grouchy, kind of a pain, like, kind of a dickhead. Well, right. <laughs> I think, and it's one of those things, too. Which, as soon that was as he, a fine, stere- it's not a bad yeah, yeah, stereotype. Yeah. It's just like, I don't, I think those the, characters watching them piss me off. I think the, the thing is with, with him and, you know, how the government still generally works, right, is it gets to the point where you feel like you feel like it's like one he's one of the one of the guys, right? Yeah. And then as soon as the test is successful, he's like, he's See like, you later. Bah. I'll let you he's like he's like, We'll let you know. Do and you then rem- he doesn't like it's he just cuts it off because yeah. that's how it is. They they got what they needed. Yes. And, and know, then they're out of there. Yep. Okay. I'm really proud of myself for this one, but I'm about to draw a parallel to one of our other movies we've watched. Okay. Do I remember the movie? Not fully. But okay. I can remember the scene, and hopefully you'll know what I'm talking about. I believe it was Twister, but I could be wrong. Okay. And it might have been Contact. <laughs> there was a scene with a female scientist where she discovered something, and she then the government like member came in. Contact. Okay, it was Contact. And they were like, yeah, like, give us all your information. They come in and basically take over the Take over radio your research. Yeah. yeah. And she was like, no. And I remember us talking about on the podcast, you know, like, just talking about the importance of that scene. And you were saying, like, yeah, well, like, how would you feel if you poured, like, your heart and soul into all this research and they just come in and take it? And it, that seems to be very, I mean, when in movies where they show the government coming in and aiding with a project seems to always kind of be like that, like the inventor or the well, it is starter is, gets left in the dust, which is crazy that they don't, you know, give credit where credit's due. Um, Not until it's, you know, doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, and like then they make a movie. One, yeah, well, like in this one when he's, you know, he's an old, old man by the time he gets recognition. Yeah, but um, I know it's because they got to like keep shit moving and they're trying to discover as much as they can and fix as many problems as they, they can. Um, I just couldn't imagine being that government worker coming in and being like, I know you spent like your whole 10 years of your career, but like, <laughs> I think, but sometimes they come, they go and work for them too. I think, I think more often than not, especially in, especially in this like environment, you know, the military related things, I think if somebody makes an invention, the People associated with the military within the government can't wait to get their hands on it, then take it from them, and they can basically claim, you know, it's been it's been uh, a thing with uh, not to go off the rails, but it's been a thing with like the whole UFO hearings recently. Like, basically, there's been stuff out there that says, hey, at any point in time, if the FBI deems that this is, you know, I don't know if it's the FBI, but I think it is, but if this be if you know if whatever materials or or objects or things that somebody recovers on their own are deemed to be a matter of national security they can just come and take it they can just take it like it doesn't matter like hey it's yeah. ours 
That's crazy. So like with something like this is a little different, right? The whole thing's government funded and yada yada. But like it's it's I don't know. It's this whole thing. It's too it's too much to get into if for like in a in this setting, but. <laughs> Just know that, like, when it comes to the military and government, they're going to do anything they can, anything they can to get their, get what they want, right? Yeah, one. And there's no, I think, unfortunately, there's no way to, there's not many ways anymore to look at some of the, some of those kinds of decisions with, like, you, you can't really give them the benefit of the doubt, right? Unfortunately, you can't give the government the benefit of the doubt. Well, because part of me, I mean, I think most people would agree that you should give credit where credit's due. Mm -hmm. But I also imagine, for on the government's perspective, it's like they have a whole team that is prepared to build off of outside research, and they probably just think that they're a faster machine. Which They're is, not yeah, always. Oh, never are. Right. But, well, that's a little aggressive. But, you know, they're they're not guaranteed to be the fastest. But I think it's they, you know, it's security. If it goes to the government, they think it's going to be more secure. We got the best people on it. They'll do better with it. And it's like, it's not always the case. So they, it's this false um, assumption that they're going to do better with if they just... Versus if they just left it with the person who found it. And it's like, yeah, we might need to change that. <laughs> yeah. Change that perspective because it has it worked. I think it just becomes, yeah. it becomes a thing where you can't, you can't count on them to tell you, to tell you all the details that might be relevant. Well, yeah. Right? Because like. But that's for security. Well, that well, see, that's the thing. That's where it's, that's where it gets a little blurry. Blurry because mm-hmm. you know they can claim they can claim security, but right, security but for who? Be, yeah. So <laughs> they could be lying. Yeah, it's like who is who keeping this information under wraps? Who is it protecting? Is it protecting our country or is it protecting you know uh, the sly shit going Joe, on? Joe, somebody like. Do you think at the, you? Would want to be in the know on all the secrets in the government, or would you rather not know? And ignorance is bliss. Some of them, for sure, because well, like, it's all or nothing. All or nothing, yeah. All, I'll take it all. Okay. Yeah, hundred percent. You think you can handle? Yeah, yeah. Knowing all the truth yep. and being unable to yep. share it. Yeah, because I already, yeah, I already like. There's already suspicions with a whole shit ton of stuff. It's like just having some finality in that would be, yeah. But then, wouldn't you be? Don't you think if you knew everything, you'd be overwhelmed, scared, afraid of what will happen? I mean, the fate of our world is very uh, the uh, people's like uh, precious. I think people's imaginations are, in a lot of times, are probably accurate with how things actually might be. So you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of heat that comes around the term, you know, conspiracy theory, right? Like every conspiracy theory isn't necessarily a th- necessarily a theory. Like conspiracies exist. Like there's real life conspiracies. I hate that that term has gotten a bad rep. Yeah. Because I guess there are also people 
call things conspiracy theories that probably aren't actually by definition conspiracy theories, but I just love funny theories mm-hmm. about stuff. And it right. could be as, it could be as dumb as watch. Like, I don't know if these are actually conspiracy theories, but like even things about like, just, you know, like food, the economics of like our food market or something, mm-hmm. you know, like I love reading theories about that. Um, but yeah, I hate that it's gotten a bad rep. Anyway, continue. Yeah. It's just like, I, for sure, there's plenty. There's some out there that are 100% true, and the government will just deny, deny, deny. And since they're the, they hold all the proof under classification. They can deny. They can <laughs> deny because, and they have no obligation to show anything. Yeah. You know. But that makes me wonder, like, like if they're so sure that something is true, like, okay, we'll use because it's been in the news on and off for the last you know, few years, you know, the JFK assassination stuff, right? Okay. So, you know, there's theories. Oh, the there's theory th- that he was hired the, to be killed? Well, right, that there's... Or someone and, was hired right, to be killed. Or at the very least, no, that it was Jesus. more than one person involved. Yeah, like, more, more than, than one, one person, person involved, involved, or it was orchestrated by right, right. someone Like, important. you can, you can, I think the, the best place to cut it short without, to avoid sounding too... Political. Yeah, sure. Would be to say that I think the argument that Lee Harvey Oswald was the only person to shoot, I think, is crazy. Like with how the the um whatever the fucking commission was, um, there you know the whole like anybody who's done any bit of reading into this would have heard of the the magic bullet theory. You know how one bullet had to be attributed for like a bunch of crazy injuries. I think that's like the most, that's the most like giant question mark thing on the whole entire thing, right? And there was supposed to be this big dump of documents, uh, a bunch of them were redacted, a bunch of them were left out, and then they ended up getting sealed up again. And you know, that happened in the, it happened in the 60s. -hmm. So by not just releasing everything, like who is still alive? (laughs) <laughs> that that you're protecting you know so like why can't we have it all sort of a thing and i i well i'll i'll nip this one in the bud right now just because we don't need to talk about it forever long story short if something is against the interests of the government not necessarily the the against the you know the safety of us the safety of us yeah and it's just they're going to do what's better for the government, not yeah. what's better for us. But that makes me, I mean, I know we need, like, I'll stop after this comment, mm-hmm. but, like, I, st- I still think that, like, not even, like, the faces of the government, like, the president mm-hmm. or vice president, I don't even think they know everything. No, no, they don't. For sure they don't. Like, there's, there's no, no, people no, yeah, that no are way. hidden that we don't even know that know everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then they're the ones that actually are making the decisions that actually matter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, the faces are never... Right. It's it's kind of like, you know, an analogy to me would be like when you're watching a TV show, you the people on screen are who you blame for the character's behavior, like the the actor because mm-hmm. they're portraying the character. But really, like it's the writer behind the scenes right. who's like pulling the strings. Right. So it's like the same thing, right. like the faces, like the president mm-hmm. is like the actor and that analogy and these 
people that we don't even know right. their names are like the writers behind the scenes doing all this stuff. Yeah, I think I think to bring that point back around to the movie, right? I mean, granted, we're fast forwarding to the end with this point, but um, the president makes that point in the movie, right? When he's having the conversation, he's like, your hands are clean, dude. I'm the one that dropped the bomb. Yeah, like, okay. Let's talk about that. I mm-hmm. I mean, we can go back to Los Alamos yeah, and yeah. the start of that. But I thought that scene was really interesting. Mm-hmm. And so Truman mm-hmm. was the president at the time, which is totally embarrassing that I didn't know that. <laughs> um, I thought FDR was president during World War II, which he wa- was for part of it. And then it was Truman. I guess. Because this was, this was World War II. I guess that's how the timing works. So can you just fact check me on that? Because I don't want to be wrong. <laughs> but I know that he was, he, he did the New Deal, like the Great Depression and stuff. Um, while I look, continue. Okay. So that scene to me was really interesting because you could tell... They they did such a good job acting because there was so much tension while you're watching that scene, like, between the actors. There's, like, a good amount of silence to portray that tension. Wh- whoever that other guy was that was sitting in there, like, the aide or something, probably, like, his chief of staff or yeah, something. Yeah, I think it was something like that. Um, He, you know, being there... um. Like the three of them, he was kind of he was kind of the mediator, for, right? Right. Yeah. And yeah, you could. I mean, that's really where we saw that Oppenheimer. I think getting he was getting praise at like the highest level in our country, and he was. I mean, we we'd already seen him. I think start to have some guilt, but that was really like cemented his feelings of like, oh shit, like what did I do? Uh, yeah, I think- and was coming to I think the president for like. You know, guidance of like to provide guidance. I think. Well, to provide guidance, but also, well, because I think he, he I think was, from I, his perspective, they weren't understanding the magnitude of what they did. Right. I think he was going into that meet that meeting thinking of it as a collaboration, where in reality they're like, we want to just like give you like a high five and then send you on away. Yeah, yeah, and I think yeah, he didn't think they were taking it seriously to the great the degree that it should have been taken care of mm-hmm. and so i think you know most movies in hollywood um like to they like to sprinkle in their hot takes right and mm-hmm. most of them are like you know probably not big fans i don't know i don't know i don't want to say that they're not big fans of the government but like they're not afraid to like rip the government a little you know Mm -hmm. and this is not portraying truman in a good light like it's making him look like a heartless you know heartless guy who's just like well we gotta win because we're winners and that's what we do here in america and i don't give a fuck about the lives lost to japan Mm -hmm. which is kind of the attitude that you could argue our country gives off and i feel like whether it was intentional or not, um, it felt like this movie was subtle commentary on the moves that our country makes in the military. The hip- the hypocrisy. And, yeah. yeah. And it, I mean, there, it's not unusual for movies to make political statements. So it makes... Well, the movie, the movie, the subject in and of itself is inherently yeah. political. Right? But I mean, you know, they could have... You they in this case they have the argument of being like well that's just what happened in history we're not 
You know right. what I mean? Like yeah. we're not biased here in making a statement. So that's like almost the perfect way to do it because it's disguising it as like, well, this is just what happened. Not even disguising it because that could be the truth, which it's supposed to be because this is like biographical. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, like it's a it's a great way to make a statement. So I think they did a good job with that. I watching that scene was like, God, Truman, you suck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, FDR died in 95. Oh, 90. No, no 45. 45. <laughs> I was 19, like, hold on. 95. <laughs> okay. So time machine. So basically while everything was like, while Los Alamos was being built. Yeah. FDR was president. Okay. Um, all right. Where do we go? Yeah. Here? So, so, <laughs> Basically, to get back to, I mean, this all started with talking about Matt Damon's character and just kind of him being the ever-present government figure within this. Granted, Dane DeHaan's character as well, he was kind of the, he was the real, like, I don't know, like, he was the really hardcore, follow the rules, like, you know, uh, government like representative, I guess, within Los Alamos, right? He's the one that's you know taking up, basically keeping receipts on all the mm-hmm. the shady stuff. Because and as stuff gets questioned later on, he's like, "Yeah, it was a shit show there. Like, whatever the fuck these guys are trying to spin." Yeah, they're like, you know, in the later conversations with like Strauss and and stuff in the in those like secret like committee hearings that they had. Yeah. Um. Sorry. Can you say the actor's name again? Dane DeHaan. We saw him in... Chronicle. Okay, I was just making sure I was thinking of the same guy. Yep. Also from Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. The second one. Second. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, he, <laughs> he looks so young still. Mm-hmm. Like, compared to uh, Louis Strauss' character, um, that seemed like like the level of authority didn't match oh. their ages <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. um i think it, I but he is older so. i don't think it i don't think it necessarily i mean it was pretty clear early like that he wasn't necessarily in a very particularly powerful place i mean because you know you know basically every not every main character but for sure there were other there are plenty of other people ahead of him in the pecking order in Los Alamos right yeah but he was like I said he was keeping receipts and I'm assuming a lot of that was to help keep him self-relevant right yeah but it's the whole Los Alamos bit I think is you know the main the main takeaway there I think is just It shows us, right, it shows us kind of through the whole process where people start arguing. He goes out, like, he goes out and kind of does his own thing a couple times, like, when he wants to go to, where does he go? Chicago. Chicago and and stuff. And and I think the whole point there is kind of like those meetings, like, showing us more of the meetings and stuff earlier is where, like, 
those are those are receipts that get brought up mm-hmm. in that in the hearing, right? Mm-hmm. And I think again, the whole point is just we we see this happen. This is how they this is how they spin it to yeah. make it seem like yeah. And it's you know they keep hammering home hammering home um, uh, compartmentalization. Some of the people are on board. Some of the people aren't on board. Most of the scientists, people just kind of laugh it off. Like, yeah. see, like, because they know, like, there's no way to get anything done. Yeah. And I know, I know uh, we moved off of it, but like, supposedly with some of like, some people who have, have worked on uh, UAP, UFO stuff, mm-hmm. it's like the, the hearing from them, supposedly, um, that's the problem with those programs is the comp- compartmentalization. Yeah. Can't make any progress because you can't share, you know, you can't share theories and you can't, you know, bounce ideas off each other because you have to keep everything a secret. And that's another, you know, anything that has to be compartmentalized that much is going to hurt in speed and efficiency. Yeah. Um, that reminds me, just talking about the Chicago yep. aspect. So Rami Malik, he... I don't know if he was introduced or if it was just the first time I noticed him in that scene where they're kind of bickering about like, he's like, no, I'm going to Chicago. And they're like, no, like, no, you're not or whatever. Yeah. And then Rami Malek goes to like shake his hand and he's like, I can't remember fully what happened, but I remember Killian Murphy being like, well, all right, shall we like talk about something? He like he, moved on yeah. to talk about something else. So they, they were, they were there to, um, him and the, I don't remember the, the other guy was the guy who ran the, lab in chicago that they were working with there's too many there's a lot of names a lot of people involved a lot of people involved um it's uh, frustrating to not be able to know all the names because i'm looking at the cast list and i still don't know yeah i wish (laughs) these i wish these images were bigger on here but um at any rate they oh it was um oh god i just had it i had (laughs) it i had it um oh i'm oh geez it starts with an f (laughs) Starts with an F. Starts uh, with an Fermi. F. Okay. Uh, I think it was Fermi, uh, Fermi, and whatever that that guy's name was. Um. Anyway, maybe not. I could be wrong. But uh, they were there to introduce uh to like basically uh show the who was it one of the one of the obviously higher high military officials their petition like introduce their petition to like basically bring in outside countries to discuss like the you know the use of these kinds of weapons and stuff basically like you know work towards instead of building instead of building more to try to race them why don't we share so that we can prevent each other from blowing each other up mm-hmm. sort of thing and he asked Rami Malek's character asked him to sign that petition and then yeah. he's like no no and then he accidentally knocks it out of his hands right and stuff so I think it's that's where that's where later on when Strauss thinks his character uh David Hill yeah. When he thinks Hill is going to like come to go to bat for yeah. them, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. why he thinks he's going to go bat to them because right. Oppenheimer refused to do that. Right, but in reality, like most, like with the exception of a couple of the scientists that were involved, like they all like they're not dummies. Right. So 
did you expect that at the end from David Hill? Because I didn't see that coming. Like, was there indication otherwise besides that scene that he was probably going to be on Oppenheimer's side? I think, I think I, I wasn't, I wasn't surprised, but I wouldn't have been surprised either way. The main, the main thing, the main reason why I wasn't and like, obviously this, some like this stuff happened to a certain extent, right? But I would, I think I wouldn't be stretching anything to say that most people don't know, didn't know who Strauss was ahead of this movie. Like plenty of people did. Did you? I didn't. That's my okay, point. Okay, I was like, I didn't. That's know. my point. Is I, <laughs> I didn't I, even know who Oppenheimer was before this movie. I think it was. It was <laughs> to me. It was pretty clear that he was gonna get what he had coming. Right. Yeah. I think that, yeah. 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 Right. That's kind of the whole thing. He was the the air quotes bad guy for right. the movie. Right. But and, I didn't expect David Hill to be the savior. Yeah, it's one of those things where the fact that they were so reliant on him and his test or his testimony or whatever his yeah his statement that they're like oh we're we're good we're gonna be fine that's like red that's flag. where red you flag. put it together it was, yeah, okay yeah. but um I don't remember them saying that so I probably I think should have I think the more surprising thing was the fact that the guy that he was talking to the whole time um. Oh, that he was like, yeah, fuck you, dude. <laughs> like he he knew all along how basically how things were going to go. Yeah. The, you're talking about the guy at the end who opens the door and he's yeah, like, yeah. good luck, buddy. Who's like talking to yes. him about everything. the oh, whole time? Oh, shit. Who is that? <laughs> oh, my gosh. When I open up the full cast and crew, it just makes everyone's photos so little. Uh, Senate, the, he's just Senate li- aide uh, he's to Louis Strauss, aide, a yeah. fictional character who is an aide during Strauss's nomination. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he's not real. Mm-hmm. Alden, yeah. Anyway, that's true. Yeah, that was that was a that was the more that too. was the that was the cooler gotcha. Like, can I just say something like kind of stupid? Okay. Have you seen Hunger Games? Uh-huh. Um, the guy who is like the commentator on the show yep. before they go on the Hunger Games yep. is played by Stanley, Stanley Tucci. Tucci. Yep. Do him and Robert Downey Jr. not kind of look alike? I would say, I would say in this particular, Movie? like when he's in the getup like that, I, yeah. I could see it. Okay. That's all I just, I just want okay. to say that. <laughs> it was just where our conversations have been so like serious mm-hmm. and that was just so totally random mm-hmm. and stupid. But I just, I thought that especially something about the black and white mm-hmm. just like made him look older. I think, I think uh, when things are in black and white, it, the D de- like it's, there's less things, there's less things to Less, there's less detail. There's just less detail because the color is a whole other detail right. that you don't have. There's also um, any movie that involves like government in any kind. Um, I just always expect Kevin Costner to show up <laughs> because I watched a lot of movies in high school um, that you know had were government related and they had Kevin Costner in it and so, like. I can't think of the one movie, but I'm pretty sure it was about like the Cuban Missile Crisis and Kevin Costner's in it. And he has a really, I remember in my class making fun of his accent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, they all were kind of giving that old white man energy mm-hmm. <laughs> that Kevin Costner gives off in his movies, to be clear. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and Tony Golden, I mean, 
that guy being he was in you know who that is yeah, what yeah. I'm talking about yep. he was um again he just like fits he's on that panel yeah, yeah he like fits being in the yep. on the government I team. would say I would be willing to say that nobody in this movie felt out of place it's pretty yeah because it's a bunch off. of white dudes <laughs> yeah you know, you're I think they did a good job um can we talk about no yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. Can we talk about Florence Pugh's role in this movie? Because mm-hmm. I have feelings. Okay. And by the way, the movie I was talking about was called 13 Days with Kevin Gosser. Anyways. Okay. Anyway. So I was talking with my friend mm-hmm. um, who I don't believe listen to our, listens to our podcast. She knows about it. But if you are listening, shout out Ellie. And um, we were talking about this movie. And she, I asked her if she saw it and she said she did. And she was like, you know, I didn't really love it because I didn't like how they, you know, sexualized Florence Pugh's character. And I, I, I agree that it felt unnecessary. And like the two scenes, how she was probably in what, like four or five scenes. And, like, three of those scenes, she was naked, and it was, like, I, the first scene where, like, the the party, you see her, and, and then afterwards, mm-hmm. like, after, in the aftermath of the party, sure, that one's slide because of what's happening. But the scene that I, that you were talking about where they put the dress on her in mm-hmm. another country, um, that was, like, why did they need to be naked there? What was the point of that? And because let's be honest, like (laughs) Ellie brought up a good point where she was like, it takes away from the scene. I don't think so. But it's like there when it's not necessary, it feels like you're doing it just to be like, oh, Florence Pugh is naked in this movie. I would say I disagree a little bit uh, on a couple fronts. I think obviously it. Without without having to show any additional actual, like, interaction and just them sitting there in the a- naked in the aftermath, like, it's clear that it, like, it's a booty call, right? Makes it, it makes it 100% clear that that's the case. But at the same time, like, I think it's, in, in the situation in the hotel room, like, without, without, like, is it 100% necessary? Is it necessary? No. But does it make sense? Yes. because. Like, when, like, if they just got done doing whatever, like, doing their thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, it's pretty normal for people to just sit around. Yeah, but it just, and it's just, I, it's, and it's to just, me, it feels, I don't like it because it feels like they were doing that just to say, get people talking about, oh my God, Florence Pugh's naked in this movie. See, it all depends, it all depends, like, if you, if you do approach it from that angle, of course, like, it's going to feel that way. But I think because if anyone anyone with a brain would think that that's going to be the response with such a big movie, I mean, come on! But like, you had to know people were going to say that. But like, in what instance is like TNA like not tits and ass? Like in what <laughs> in what Sorry. in what case? Never heard that. <laughs> in what case? Like, can you have it and it not feel that way? Well, I'm, I said with the first scene, it was fine because it's like, okay, whatever. 
sex scene, that's fine. So but like, so I mean, by, I still didn't by, love it, but like. So by that point, by that point though, we've already seen, we've already seen everything. So like, including it later isn't like gonna isn't additionally headline grabbing, right? Because we've already seen. I mean, I didn't like it either way, mm-hmm. but I, I get, I understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean. It just, it. I, I don't think I'll. My mind will change on the fact that I just didn't feel like it was necessary. It kind of goes back to our point where we talked about um, how there always seems to be, you know, a relationship romance forced into movies, mm-hmm. and I think it would be fair to say that action movies or what would you kind of call this, like a historical drama. Sure. Movie. Like this type of movie is going to draw in a lot of male viewers. Okay. Mm-hmm. Probably more than like an average rom com. Okay. So it always seems to be with these like movies that pull in male viewers, but I mean, also other movies as well. They always try to force that romance component. Mm-hmm. And I get that this was based on history. Like that's why they put the relationships in there and. Mm-hmm. Him being I mean, a cheater informs us about yeah. his personality and all this stuff. Like, I, I get it. Mm-hmm. But um, it felt like putting that in a movie where there's going to be predominantly probably male viewership just is icky to me, to put it simple. But I don't know. It seems... Florence Pugh is not some no-name actor. She's, you know, like she's a huge name. Right, but And it's... to bring her in just for that... I don't think that's what's going on, though. Well, no. Because I don't think, like, just, you know, written and directed by Christopher Nolan, he's not like some, like, this is the first movie he's done where he's done any nudity. Okay. So, I mean, I don't think, I don't think it's, it's one of those things where, like, just because, like, I think it it's a little unf- unfair, too, to, I mean... I guess the... her only purpose wasn't that because like obviously her character was important to mm-hmm. Oppenheimer's story. Like I'm not saying and that of, she wasn't important to theory, but anyone, that felt unnecessary. And of anyone in recent time that is completely okay, you know, revealing some nip, right? <laughs> it's her, right? That's kind of her thing. She's done that in other movies? Well, not in other movies, but like, you know, all of like a lot of the her like you know, not a lot. I think a couple, two or three of her, like, you know, like fashion show red carpet looks are see through. Okay. Like intentionally. So it's not like it's anything. It's not like she's. I don't think anyone would think that she had to give. She was giving something up by doing this. You know what I mean? I just. I don't. I don't think. I don't think it's. I don't think looking at her as a victim. I'm or, not saying she's a victim. Well, but you see, it's kind of making it sound like it, she's being slighted by, like, having to do this. You know what I mean? Well, no one will ever know that because we're, we were not right. on set. And right. we don't know how much of a say she got in that. Maybe she thought that it was really necessary for the character. As a viewer, I just didn't. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to say that, you know... I'm not like I'm not trying to put words in mm-hmm. Lawrence Pugh's mouth. Right. Um, so yeah, 
Yeah. I mean, to each to each their own, I guess, is the the main takeaway. I mean, obviously, like, there's people who are, there's people who, there's going to be people on, like, the whole spectrum, yeah, right? The ones who are sure. like, what the fuck? Why is this here? Right. Up to the, you know, the more crude, probably, people who are overly excited about it. <laughs> and then there's, you know, yeah. I think it's, I think it made sense. I think it made sense for what was going on and to really hammer home the situation with those two particular characters. But yeah, agree to disagree. <laughs> we have these moments every once in a while where I just feel like I'm, I just feel like I'm not going to change my mind. Cause that's just how I feel. Mm-hmm. Like it's neither of us is, is right or wrong. Mm-hmm. Cause it's just how you feel as a viewer. I just felt it was important to share because that was a reaction I had while watching the film. Mm-hmm. So going off of that, I, the part that I stepped out on is when she committed suicide, mm-hmm. um, which Ellie was saying that she like drowned herself. Yeah. So, so that scene was kind of, it was, it was kind of an interesting scene because, um, it goes through a couple flashes of where he's like theorizing what actually happened. If it, what, however it oh. happened. So like. The the consensus is that yeah she basically she basically caused herself to overdose in a situ- in a position that would you know end up with her head in the water and okay. then she would drown um, something like that. But that's like, what actually happened. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But there were flash there were flashes of scenes where somebody was in the room and like holding her into the water. Oh. That he was flash. He was thinking like, oh, like maybe she got murdered because he knew he was being followed, and there was all the you know yeah. all the controversy around okay being a communist and whether or not he was sharing details yeah. and yada yada. So it, that thought, so that's that, where Ellie got confused. She thought maybe she was murdered, so no, she didn't pick it, up on that. It was just like his. It was I think I'm pretty ninety nine point nine percent sure. It was just him like having that flash moment, like oh my god, what if she was killed? But then I, got I think it. I think the idea is that he can't. He like came to you know grips with the fact that she just you know did what she did but right. um right the, if you because click on because one of the question because one of the questionable things in at least in the context of the movie i don't know how it actually went down but there was a note left that wasn't signed so like and it wasn't necessarily 100 percent sure if that's how she would have it says okay so if it. you click on her real wikipedia page like the, yep. the real person um it says uh suicide like cause of death but then disputed next to it Mm -hmm. and then it says like he found her or she was found dead lying on a pile of cushions in the bathroom with her head submerged in the party filled bathtub partly filled bathtub there was an unsigned suicide note Mm -hmm. um so that all seems to be accurate with the film Mm Yeah, but and then, yeah, and okay. then uh, right after the, when that happens, he has like a little breakdown, and he rides off into the into the woods, and uh, his wife follows after him, and that's when he says that she died, and like that they had been having an affair or something, and she, I think she knew, right? But he was basically he was you know distraught over her being dead, and then she's basically like, well. I don't feel, I can't feel sorry for you. Like you have to live with you. Like it's like, you want to, you want to, you want me to feel bad for you after this, when you were doing that, he's like, she's basically like, suck it up and get back to work. Cause we got shit to do that. Like 
that's like a tricky situation to watch as a viewer because like whose side are you on because on one hand it's like yeah like he was cheating on you so like he does kind of suck but also like he just had this like this person really close to him commit suicide which is like super traumatic so it's like it's really hard to have compassion for both yeah i think this is one of those situations though where is crude and and terrible as it may sound like the stakes are infinitely higher for the work that they're doing than is for i mean especially from her perspective than this you know person who her husband was you know sleeping around with i think it's it's one of those things where these the people in these that get themselves into these positions of you know importance they really can't they don't aren't afforded the luxury of being able to, you know, long form deal with stuff. So you don't have compassion for it. That's I'm, what I'm hearing. It was it was rough. You're but more on it Emily was, Blunt's side. <laughs> right. It was rough, but in that moment, like if he you know, if he goes into, you know, meltdown mode for a month They're screwed. They're fucked. Yeah. Right. I get what you're saying. Um it's funny that her so you're thinking that she's more focused on the project and she wasn't like upset about the fact that he was cheating on her? I would say not necessarily like that. I think of it more as like double whammy. I think more <laughs> I think of it more as like uh like you went and did these things. You made your bed, you can lie in it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like and it's almost like uh like I don't know. I mean, I don't think she was privy to details, but I mean, it's kind of like one of those things where it's like exactly what you said. Okay. Exactly okay. what you said. Just, <laughs> yeah. Yep. We can leave it at that. Mm-hmm. Um, should we talk about the, I mean, I don't know if you want to talk about anything before this, but should we talk about the test, like the scene where they test the bomb? Yeah. So what was I doing in the theater? Do you want to tell the listeners? <laughs> you were you were like slouched in your seat with your fingers over your ears, and I lean in. I'm like, "It's you're gonna be fine. Like, <laughs> it's not coming yet. You'll know." Right. But I didn't. I didn't still like believe you. So I kind of have my. I like didn't press it in as hard. But I was kind of like, "Okay, I'll just I'll let mm-hmm. it go." And then it was just silence. You mm-hmm. just saw light, and there was just silence. And then it was like what, thirty seconds mm-hmm. or something. And then it was like. Right, and it was brief. It was just the wind going past. It wasn't like an overly long. It was the wind going by through. Is like the loud noise wasn't extended super long. No, no, it wasn't bad. I mean, there were other parts of the movie that no, it's, were louder. I think it's important to preface that the uh, the theater that we go to. Granted, we weren't in the IMAX theater, so it wasn't so bad. But the theater it has that we, an issue with sound. The, yeah, the, <laughs> the, if we were like I saw this originally in the IMAX theater, and was it the, too loud? Oh, it's it's one of those things where, so this IMAX theater is old, and it's clear that they haven't done anything to like, you know, upgrade it. So, I I remember, I I don't know if I brought this up on the podcast or not, but early on when we moved here and started going to that IMAX theater all the time. Um, everything is I think way I know what you're too fucking loud. Yes. Everything way too loud. And the the final straw, um, we had gone to a few IMAX movies and it's just like, holy shit, like we should not have to wear earplugs to like a movie to watch this. And it wasn't because it was just loud. It was poorly mixed. So like the, the 
to get the bass louder, they just cranked it up without adjusting anything else. So the highs were way too high and loud and piercing on your ears. But it was when we, I'm pretty sure we went and saw Nope. And, yep. and when we were watching Nope, the first teaser for Oppenheimer was before Nope. Oh. <laughs> and it was the, the teaser, all it was was the, the like the orange like flame and smoke yeah and it was just a really loud rumble and like static well it sounded like static i don't know if it was but and it was just so loud you literally had no choice but to plug your ears the mm-hmm. like sharpness of the highs and i had i ended up emailing amc and being like Yo, yeah what the hell and yeah. i think they did adjust it yeah because don't you remember i said i took um some kids i used to nanny for i took them to the theater to see some movie and i had to plug my ears and i said to you guys i came here afterwards and i was like i'm not going to a stupid imax theater uh-huh. again because it was so fucking loud and then i went to another movie months later mm-hmm. that ended up being an imax and i was like oh it's better and you were like i swear it's because i complained <laughs> <laughs> but yeah at any which rate, i'm sure a lot of people did yeah i mean it was it was a lot better in that smaller theater because those smaller theaters they do they don't blast out the sound so yeah much. which i prefer i'm not like you where i like prefer the imax i the i prefer the imax for the screen like the audio i don't is dog even shit. with the screen some movies it's it do- too big so, some movies it doesn't matter for sure yeah some of the ones that they have in there it doesn't really add much but some of it really does we saw uncharted in imax mm-hmm. and that was like we were I think with that one, the problem was is we were a little too close. Yeah. You don't want to be in front of H. You want to be behind. <laughs> you don't want to be that. any further forward than H. But um, I, we might have been... Now that you I say mean, that, couple, I feel like couple, we were sitting in like H. But A couple rows makes a big difference. Yeah, and I think we were sitting so close that I remember being like, I'm having to like turn my yeah. head to see like what's happening on different parts of the yep. screen. Not to not to call you out, but I'm pretty sure after we saw that, you were like, it wasn't that big of a deal. But <laughs> when we saw Uncharted oh. and I was complaining about the screen, you were like, yeah, it wasn't. You're just. It never is. It isn't a big deal. Okay. I th- the only movie where I saw, the only movie I saw that I hated when we sat too close was Iron Man 2. A long time ago. Because there's, there's a scene when they're chasing each other through through the Stark Expo where mm-hmm. he's getting chased by all the drones and literally you're looking at the left side of the screen <laughs> over to the right side of the screen. It's like, uh, yeah, it's the most memorable too close moment I've had. And ever since then, I, you know, tried to get to. Yeah. There's a sweet spot for sure. Yeah. Which you know it as a AMC yeah. Stubbs member. Yeah. But, um, um, yeah, I don't know that that scene was probably, a good choice because everyone was probably anticipating like this huge boom and they were like gotcha well and excuse me those moments in movies are always like really cool because the idea is like it's you're holding like you're holding your breath you're holding your breath you're holding your breath and then silence and it's like you don't want to breathe yeah i was proud of everyone in the theater for like quiet yeah yeah because you could always get some assholes in the theater that are like what's happening that's why you gotta that's why you got to try your best to go like opening nights or preview nights because the people who want to see it are there. Yeah. If you go to like a matinee on a Saturday or something, your chances skyrocket for that shit to happen. Well, and I went to see the only movie that I, the only movie that has been really big. Well, actually that's not true because I also saw Barbie, but the only movie that I saw that was really big and I saw it on opening night mm-hmm. was Spider-Man No Way Home. Mm-hmm. That one was like so anticipated. 
probably on the same level as Barbie. Mm-hmm. And that theater was packed. Like there was no yeah. available seats, you know, that one was the most engaged crowd I've ever seen. Right. So like in that case, it wasn't true of people being quiet. Like people were like cheering, mm-hmm. you know? Well, right, there's a, t- there's a time for that sort of thing. Right. But it's not when silence breaks over the movie. Yeah. No, I like people are engaging yeah. in the correct I way think, but I th- yeah i think that's remember? the thing is the the um is the appropriate reaction to what's whatever's going on well because in no way home though i remember kind of getting pissed off because you know like as soon as andrew garfield comes on screen everybody starts screaming and then they're talking it's yeah like, and you up. can't hear it you took the words right out yep. of my mouth and then toby mcguire too you're like wait what's happening i'm missing commentary like mm-hmm. comedy quality comedy right. so then when i went back to watch it i was like oh this is what i miss mm-hmm. and it was actually pretty funny like that scene where he, she like throws bread at him yeah. and he's like, why are you throwing yeah. yeah. He's like, I don't have this. She was like, I signed to see if you have the tingle thing. And he's like, I have the tingle thing. Just not for bread. I missed that in the fucking theater yeah. because people were like, Oh my God, it's Andrew Garfield. Babe, we already knew yeah, he was going to yeah. be in it. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> oh God. But yeah. anyway, so shout out to the people we saw the yeah. movie with. You were great. So those, <laughs> those, um, those silent moments and uh um or or the moments that like where it's not necessarily silent but it's definitely very hyper focused they happen a lot in in Christopher Nolan movies like with this like I'll just use a few like this one obviously the bomb theater gets silent you watch everything happen right. um uh in inception um, was that Christopher Nolan? Yeah. Okay. Um, I was gonna say that one. They have a lot of silence. Interstellar stuff. when he like enters yeah. the enters the void. Yep. But also, <laughs> um, in I think in Tenant, there's a scene. Well, I think there's other noise going on too. But like when they go into like a helmet, and then you just hear the heavy breathing while they're running and trying yeah. to like, do that kind of thing, or any of those. Yeah, any of those really long. Like I, in, in the newest Mission Impossible, when he jumps off the cliff, it gets silent, and all you hear is the wind while he's like you know free falling mm-hmm. so like moments like that in movies like like i said where you're like the there's a big build up big build up and you're like kind of like waiting you're kind of you're anticipating it you're waiting you're like was it yeah. the most recent mission mission impossible that tom cruise broke his foot no that was the last one. Oh, the one before the because he jumps on, off a roof on that one too he jumps across the roof yeah yeah to go on the, yeah <laughs> well right yeah yeah okay yeah. Um. Okay. So we see the test. The we test is the a test. success. I'm kind of just going through like big points that yeah, I yeah, wanted getting... clarity on because, like we were saying, we can't go through everything super deep, especially Shit. when we do have tangents. We're at an hour and ten minutes. Yeah, well, I'm getting... just saying lately we are, our podcasts have been shorter. Yeah. But I had a lot to say. Okay. Remind me mm-hmm. with sir with good memory. <laughs> <laughs> there was all this buildup about like what did. Uh, Oppenheimer Einstein. say to Einstein, yep. "What did he say again?" So, so in the, before they early on in the development of the bombs, right? There's the one. There's the one scientist who said who brings in a calculation. Um, let me see if I can get a name here. Uh, who brings in the calculation that there's a chance that if they start this reaction to make this the you know the the reaction that is the atomic bomb, mm-hmm. that there's a chance that that chain reaction never stops. Oh, yeah. So then all the yep. atoms in the air and stuff ignite, and then it'll ignite the atmosphere, and 
It's a, and never like, it'll destroy everything. Right. So he, that's when he goes to visit Einstein, when Einstein's walking through the forest with the, the like refugee from Germany or wherever he's from, right. Or whatever you want to, whatever you want to call him. Um, they're walking through and then he stops and pulls him off to the side and has him look at it. And he reads it and they basically share that thing. And he said, he's like, if like, if this go, if this is, if this is true, you could ignite the atmosphere or whatever. Yeah. So, and you can set off a, you know, a chain reaction that destroys the world. Yeah. Like one of them says that. Yeah. Right? Something like that. And then he comes, when he comes and he talks to him later, he goes, remember that when I showed you that calculation, he's like, yeah, what about it? He goes, well, I think, I think we were right, but not in a literal sense, but you know, not in a literal sense of like the, the bomb igniting and, you know, setting off a chain reaction that'll destroy, you know, destroy everything. But them creating the basically the bomb, the arms race is eventually that that was the thing at the end with all the missiles launching everywhere. And the idea is that like they've created by them creating that bomb, it's going to be a race for everybody to get the biggest bomb. And then as soon as somebody launches that bomb, the other person's going to launch that bomb. And then the other person's going to launch that bomb. All these bombs are going to be in the air and they're going to just and it's going to destroy the world, basically. So they set off the chain reaction, but the chain reaction isn't the, you know, all the. All the atoms, you know. Who up. said that? Einstein said that. Well, just the their conversation about the about that formula, yeah, right? But Oppenheimer's the one that says, "I think you were right," or Einstein yeah. says, "Okay." Well, that, he says that we were. I think we were right. Yeah, yeah. But then, and then Oppenheimer's like, or and then you know, and then uh, Einstein, Einstein's oh. probably like thinking like, "Oh fuck!" Like. Kind of like the whole like oh you didn't didn't think about it that way yeah but like shit we did and he's like yeah we're fucked and he was just you know pondering that when he walked away so it was all because didn't we determine that it was not even about stress right, and right. he just thought it, it was right he just thought it was <laughs> it right. was a false right it, right pretense for being mad because he <laughs> because like a lot of the characters and uh, like Oppenheimer too to an extent everybody thinks it's about them right that's the Mm-hmm. That's the lesson of this episode. It's not always about you. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like that was that Don't was the think whole it's thing. About you. That was the whole thing with Strauss is that like he was thinking like Strauss thought he was the main character. Right. Right. <laughs> and he's yeah, exactly. He wasn't. Okay. Did you have anything else you wanted to add before we go into our segments? Nothing huge. Did you like the movie? Oh yeah, of course. I think the main <laughs> I think the not main Not even a question. I think the main the the only thing that, that like we the only thing we haven't really touched on would be the kind of the reception of the success of the bomb right and how oh oh my yeah great great point you go ahead I think it's it's funny because that same some that same mentality exists exists now where like these I think it's you know. Obviously, regular people couldn't possibly have been pondering what the broad scale impact was. Yeah. Right? They see, you know, at least in that time, right? Japan, they attacked us, killed a bunch of our people, were at war. We won the war by bombing them, right? Everybody's getting all jacked about the fact that, you know, 
because they're so dis- they're disconnected from it, right? And yeah. they're so hyped up on whatever it is you'd want to call it. But I mean, part of it too, I'm sure, is all it was all the people at Los Alamos. So I'm sure some of them are like, in a sense, it's a relief. I'm sure, like it, ever, all of our work wasn't for any, wasn't for nothing. We did what we needed to do. Like, and the idea that they're, you know, the flip or the back to the compartmentalization within the government thing when they're having the discussion about when they're talking about where they want to what targets they want to bomb and basically the guy's like now i can't tell i can't show you any of the intel but all of it shows all of it says that japan is never going to surrender yeah you know they pick the target yada yada they blow them up and then somebody's like and then other people are saying like japan was like falling apart they were yeah. they were going to surrender any day. So like the morality right and it, it right and it's like the the government wants to do it to show that they're, you know, you know, big kid, you know, the trying to exert their power. Right, trying to show like hey, we mean we're we'll fuck you up if you, you know, do this or do that. And I don't know, it's it's just it I think the Obviously, that whole part is interesting, right? Because they're in, like, when they're in that gymnasium, or it's not a gymnasium, but we'll just, when he's up at the podium and he's saying to them everything they want to hear, but inside he's thinking, like, oh, oh my God, yeah. what the, f-? Yeah. like, it's basically, what what have, we, what have we done? Like, what are we doing? Like, this is insane. Yeah. But obviously, he's saying the things that he expects them to want to hear. Right. In reality, he's, like, having, like, a crisis, you know? Yeah, exactly. I... I'm trying to find something that I thought of, um, and I really, I've been trying and I can't find it, but, so, that was another critique that my friend had, was that she didn't like that they didn't go in, in what she thought was enough detail about the aftermath Mm -hmm. of the bomb, and she was like, you know, I mean... I don't know how they would have shown us the actual bombings, nor did they need to put that in there. Like, that's up for debate. But just showing that, like, you know, now, like, to this day, like, right. aren't those areas, like, desolate? Like, you can't. I don't think, I don't think that's, I, I'm pretty sure, I'm 99% sure that, that they made, those places made recoveries. It's not like a. Oh, but yeah. or, but there's, like, nuclear effects. Sorry. I, I think I it was more just the aftermath within proximity time frame of the people that were there obviously the people that were there the people they talked about it the people that were coming out ended up dying after they thought it was safe they would come out and it would you know it would fuck them up but this says both cities are bustling urban centers yeah. and radiation levels there are on par with the general levels of background radiation experience the world um but uh no. i think okay so it's i don't know uh, plenty of people don't take this as sufficient reasoning but again we're seeing it from his perspective right it's not like it's meant to be it's not meant to they made it very clear in other ways that what they were doing wasn't or what ended up what the aftermath was like like the morality of it all they made it pretty clear that it like 
that they weren't rooting for like it's not like they're celebrating it by any means at yeah, any at yeah. any point in the movie right right like the only the only time that anyone's celebrating it or like that they're really celebrating is in that moment where he's like oh my god what did we do sort of a thing and yeah. they're all freaking out yeah but then every other moment when it's talking about it like they're they go there's they have everybody in the room they're going through the slideshows where they're talking about everything uh like the crassness with the committee when they're picking targets right like they make it clear that it's not like that you know the government didn't give a shit about aftermath right yeah yeah um so by the way that scene was really like well done that where he's like having the internal crisis and mm-hmm. like they have the the oh god i was getting like uncomfortable watching it with the feet banging yeah. on the bleachers like it's like uh. i mean it was it was kind of calling back to like that was something that was happening a little like on and off at the beginning we would get that same noise yeah mixed in like to the like thing i mean it's like anxiety right personified right. Yep, yeah yep, yep. yeah um okay so there was um a poem that i read in high school that i cannot find to save my life um about the atomic bomb i thought it was about um I mean, I'm assuming it was about Hiroshima and Hiroshima and Nagasaki, but it was a poem that I read and I don't remember the whole thing, but essentially in it, it was saying that, you know, there's, it was trying to paint a picture of like a house when the bomb hit. And it was saying that like, you know, there was like, bacon like burning on the stove that'll never get taken off or something and then it was like then there's a dog like walking around that's got like radioactive burns and then it like lays down and dies and then like the saddest part i remember was like it was like and there's like a little girl who's you know waiting for a ball that she threw up in there that'll never come down or something and i i remember being like what the hell i don't get this poem and she didn't tell us that it was about like the bombs at first and I, I I might have read this at a time where I didn't even know what that was. Like, I don't remember. Mm-hmm. But after she explained it to us, like, I believe there's something where, like, the shadows, something about, like, the shadows stayed there or, like, they were, like, eviscerated so fast that, like, their shadows stayed. Well, it was like, uh, I think it's more the, think of it as, like, the... I don't know the wave of whatever it is, yeah, hitting them yeah. or like Sorry, them, that's, like yeah, like if if you stood against the wall and then we sprayed you with a hose, yeah, you're yeah, you're outlined to be on the wall, same yeah. thing, yeah, like that, yep, okay, and so, you know, they could have done a that was so powerful, powerful for me as a kid, and I still remember like mm-hmm. the general idea of it, and I think they could have done a lot more with this movie by going into more detail about the effects of it. So, but it was also three hours. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. And I did think, I want more added to the movie? Not really. Right. And it's, there's, there's, I mean, obviously that's the the biggest, biggest, like, that would be the biggest thing of what happens. But there's plenty of other, other, you know, bits to this where, where they don't go in on it. They don't go in on it because he didn't go in on it or he was because it's all right it's all based on american prometheus i think which is i think that's the name of the book mm-hmm. which is you know his story so yeah i don't know it's one of those things where 
I understand what people are getting at when they think something like that should be more, you know, explored in something like this. But at the same time, it's like when you're when you're making a movie about someone. I think the. I think that kind of more peripheral. St- I mean, it's not peripheral. Obviously, obviously it was front and center, but the movie's about him and his experiences. Yeah, and he—that's very true. Yeah. You bring up a good point that it wasn't about. Yeah, and it, again, I mean, again, they didn't—they didn't pull any punches about how like bad the situation was. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's hard to make a movie like this and please everybody mm-hmm. um and fit everything that they want to fit in there's like for all we know the creator could have been like shit you know i really wanted to put that more of that in there but i just simply ran out of mm-hmm. ran out of time um okay now should we move on yeah sure okay favorite quote what you got what you got or can i go first you can go first so I just have two funny moments that I wanted to point out. So the part where they're watching the, um, about to watch the explosion mm-hmm. and there's a guy sitting in his car and he's looking forward and he's like, they're like, oh, do you want these like, it's like these UV these... or the glass will stop the UV. And then that part you're talking about. Yeah. And he's like, but, but you, what stops the glass? You're spoiling the bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was it. And then the other one was. Uh, Oppenheimer and Matt Damon, whatever his character's name is. Do you know what off the top of your head? Um, are you talking the near zero stuff, dude? Stop. <laughs> um, yeah, the part where he's like, you know, there's a ninety-seven percent chance that it won't blow up the whole world, or ninety-eight or whatever, and he's like, near zero. There's a near zero chance that it ignites the atmosphere, or that it. Yeah, and then he's like, near zero. Near zero? I would prefer zero. Right. What can we get from theory alone? Is that another one? That's what he says. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'd like zero. And then he says, what can we get from theory alone? Which is like a recurring thing. But like when they start the lab and stuff. Yeah. I've also heard the like, now I am so become death quote. worlds, yep. I've heard that in other shows before. So that's from Oppenheimer. That was his quote. Or um, he was no. quoting someone else. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's... I've heard that elsewhere. That was just like a notable one that I remember. Now I am become death destroyer of worlds. That could be unpacked in a lot of ways that we don't have time for, nor do I care to unpack it. Uh, from the Bhagavad Gita. That's from. Whoa, that was a mouthful. Okay, do you have any you want to share? Those are good ones. Um, I like any of the times when he's able to fucking throw shit back at people. Yeah, so, oh, another good one was when they were talking about later, like, uh, when you're, when we, they reveal later that he was cheating on her again. Oh, yeah, he's like impossible, he's like impossible. Because they were saying that it caused the the husband to die, and then he was like, impossible. And then you think like, oh, it's because they didn't have an affair, and he's like, they never found out, or he never found out. Impossible (laughs) because he can't die from a broken heart, but no, they never found out. Smart ass. (laughs) Yeah, um, that kind of made me like, like I was liking Oppenheimer, and then I was like, ooh, minus 10 points, but like mm-hmm. plus five points for cleverness. Zinger, yeah. <laughs> I like when they can slip in like occasional comedy to 
Yeah. Movies that are pretty serious. Yep. They did a good job of towing that line. Yeah, those are good ones. I think those are the most memorable ones. They're the easiest ones to remember. Okay. Right. All right. Um, we can move on then. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, spin off or kill off is really hard because there's way too many characters. Mm-hmm. So like kill off all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think the I think the um I think something that would be interesting if if like just again force or feeding into the spin-off idea i'm going to do that before mention that before anything else is um you could easily transition right into a cold war like movie yeah about the same thing because they they're in they there's parts of this that take place during the cold war right like, right so i think going into that and kind of going into more of the conversations having a perspective from the chicago lab would be kind of interesting yep um well i'm glad you had other ideas other than just like this was wrapped up as it should be well no i'm just saying like yeah like i think usually i think more often it's something in the same style but from just a, a different story in the same you know in a similar style i mean they do that stupid little you know jfk tease at the end yeah young senator trying to make an oh yeah over. yeah yeah I, I liked that personally yeah. <laughs> it's just very it's just funny because it's like it's just like in uh dark knight rises at the end when with joseph, joseph gordon levitt's character his name being robin and like him, like, oh, like sure, the, sure, sure. Yeah. I think, I mean, I don't know if they will because of what we were just talking about earlier in this conversation. We were saying how his death has a lot of uh-huh. murkiness in the water. Mm-hmm. Ten years down the line, how much you want to bet they make a movie? Kennedy. Well, <laughs> how much? Is there already one? So, <laughs> yeah, there is. And guess, who, like, guess who's the... Guess Christopher who's the, Nolan. No, no. Guess who's the lead actor? Killian Murphy. Uh-uh. Matt Damon. Think about it. Come on. <laughs> people not... People... It's a, the movie's from like the late 90s. Oh, Kevin Costner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but like I'm talking like... Oh, it's early 90s. I sorry. want a current one. Yeah, yeah. Not that that one's bad, so, but it's going to be better if it's made today. What... J- the films are What better. JFK... I mean, JFK is a good movie. I watched it recently for the first, for the first time all the way through recently. Oh, but so they can make it. So it's about... Um, it's about uh, the I think the New Orleans district district attorney basically pursuing the fact that it wasn't didn't go down how they said it went down, mm-hmm. and like it's one of the, it's a funny it's a funny movie in that like if you go on Reddit or if you go like Reddit's the if you go on Reddit and you look at conversations that get brought up about it or you look at like reviews for the movie and stuff, it is so funny how many people are like, this is just full of conspiracy theories. It's so loony. There's no way this is how blah, 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 blah. It's like, what are you talking about, man? Like, yeah, I get like it. Yeah, it's a movie and it for sure says some things that can't be particularly substantiated. But the stuff that it argues against is just as out there. Like, Again, like I mentioned it briefly, the idea with the single bullet being credited for stuff. This talks about that. Mm-hmm. And it like brings JFK it, does. The movie, yeah. JFK yeah. does, yep. And it's... Dang, I should watch that. Yeah, you should. But just know that it's another long one. How long? Three hours. 
Fuck. But it's good. It's good. It's it's good, but it's it's a lot. I don't have that long of an attention span. It's a lot of uh, talking. Like there's one spot. <laughs> As well, opposed to what? No, no. I mean like <laughs> it's not. It's not like a visual masterpiece okay. to behold. It's there's well said. there's one scene in particular that I that just goes off on our fucking like monologue like no other. He's meeting like a contact on the like on like a lawn in DC somewhere and they're sitting in a park bench and the guy is just rambling on and on and on and on and on. And I say rambling, but it's very it's interesting because it's okay. basically they're like you think that because if he did this and did that, then he would get away with this and that. Oh, my know. God. It's good, though. It's a good movie. It's okay. a good movie, and it's one of those things to, that gets you thinking. At the okay. very least, it makes you think about, you know, it's it's just so crazy. It's so crazy with that particular <laughs> thing, just because it's like, it's so hard not to, it's so hard to, it's so hard to buy into the official narrative because of just how you know how conf- how defiant or defiant how definitive their their statements are mm-hmm. but they aren't willing to pony up the you know proof yeah like the burden of proof isn't on them and they have the only proof that says whether or not what they're saying is true. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So like, it's not on us to prove it. You just got to believe it. You just trust us. But again, we don't need to go down that road again. <laughs> we went down it for 15 minutes earlier. Yeah. Probably more than that. But yeah, there is a JFK movie. It's <laughs> about, I mean, it's not okay, necessarily, yeah, so it's not about JFK. They to should be make, fair, it's not about JFK. They should make another spinoff or for a spinoff, I would like to pitch a movie about the 60s and JFK yeah. and the Cold War and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, Could be super so I'm interesting. Hop on your idea for that. Kill off everybody. Uh, you know, it's weird. His brother's wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's weird because. Everybody, everybody does have a they okay particular a role to fill. They all have a role. However, you, like there was just simply too many characters. Like I, I know it was probably hard to tell the story with like you can't have the characters overlap because it wouldn't make sense. Mm-hmm. But I, I just can't do this segment without just saying that like I can't even pick one because there was just, I don't even know their names right because there's just too many. So like I think. That's really, it's really hard to follow along with movies that have so many characters. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's, it's, it's tough because, it's tough because they are all, like, every named character is, is important. important because, yes. Yeah, you're correct. I just am frustrated. Right, I know, I know. It's, <laughs> it, yeah, I mean, they'll start saying, and, you know, this guy over here, and that guy over there, and this guy over here doing this and that, and this and that. When the whole thing, when the whole, like, a big part of this thing is about credit. Where credit yeah. is due. Yep, yep, yep. I guess. It, it makes me want to, like, have watched the movie. I mean, during the movie, I did look on my phone uh, at one point um, to look at the cast. Because mm-hmm. I was trying to see what the names were again. Mm-hmm. But, like, it made me want to, like, bring a notepad to the theater mm-hmm. to be like, the guy with the yeah. the glasses and the black and white hair is da-da-da. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the only character who you didn't need to tell me his name was Albert Einstein. <laughs> yeah. 
If you didn't know that one, you're right. an idiot. <laughs> right. Okay. Spin a wheel? Yeah. Do you know what you're adding? You got a slot to fill. Yeah, I know. So, um, I think... And remember, you can, you can double yep. up on your other ones if you want. Yeah. So, I think I'm going to... It's funny that Oppenheimer was on orange. Because it's like the, the flame, the, flame <laughs> the explosion. Yeah. I think I'm going to put on there the social network. Okay. How do you feel about that? Uh, I like the guy that made it. Okay. Uh, so, isn't that Fincher? Don't we already have a... I think that's David Fincher, right? Oh, fuck, fine. Social on. network. Because, um, spoiler alert. Not really a spoiler. But, um, I think that Fight Club. Oh, okay. Is also David I Fincher. think that movie could spark really good conversation. Um, that movie I actually tried to start watching and then I got bored. So, this is me trying to force myself to watch it. Mm-hmm. But let's put that on there. Let me confirm that first. You say something confidently and then immediately question everything about your life. Yeah. yeah um, have you met me? <laughs> Story so of my fight, life. So Fight Club's there. You just put Social Network on. I'll probably put Zodiac on at some point. Okay. David Fincher. Yeah, he's the man. Yeah, so besides Social Network and Fight Club, I have on there Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, um, Wonder Woman, what else? Um, one moment. Fulton never writes on the wheel. It's normally me, but he took the took the lead this time. I did, and I wrote poorly. It's all right. I'll trim this up later. Hey, some. All right, we'll just recap it quick. Uh, Yeah, so Fight Club, we just put on the social network. Uh, Carla also has uh, Wonder Woman, Once Mm -hmm. Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Brave, and Everything Everywhere All at Once. And I have got Good Time, rocking it twice still. Uh, (laughs) The Fast and Furious... Uh, Leon the Professional and Babylon. You have movies that I feel like have been on there for a while. Yeah, Leon the Professional's on there twice as well. Yeah, those two. Those Leon two the have been on good time for a while. They're kind of due. Yep. Okay. So we're going to spin. Oh, uh, you want to? So last time. <laughs> Sorry. Studio troubles. So last time. Um... We spin, spun. It was kind of a weak spin and it doubled back. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see what happens this time. Who knew this wheel would be so entertaining? Right. All right. I'll have Carla do the honors today. Okay. All right. Okay, here we go. Tried to give it a big spin. Oh, there. Oh! (laughs) Wait. So we, so we had to double back again. We are about to land on Leon, the professional. I almost want to spin again. And then it doubled back to social network. Colton's really anti-spin like spin again, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. We got a card laid is a card played. 
So, but <laughs> okay. we did just we did just spin two of yours in a row. Yeah. So, so you get next to pick week next I'll time. pick one. And pick good time. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll pick one. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll pick one of the ones that's on there twice. I'm sorry I celebrated too early. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh yay, Leon the Professional, which I don't even know if I'm going to like that movie, but it was just exciting to get it off. Right. Like we were, and we were just talking about it. Yeah. yeah and yeah, then being due. right. Social network. We always watch movies that we just put on there. But yeah, well, whatever. All right. All right. Thanks, so, everybody, for listening. Yeah. Follow us. Yeah. Follow us on uh, Instagram at Twist Turns and One Liners. Mm-hmm. On Twitter at TTOL Pod. Uh, YouTube at Twist Turns and One Liners. Yep. And you can also email us with any feedback uh, at uh, Twist Turns One Liners at gmail.com. Also, uh, take a. Take a minute or two to rate us on whatever mm-hmm. podcasting platform you happen to be using. We love ratings. And uh, if you have any movie suggestions or anything like that, feel free to yeah hit us up. We need to end the podcast because your dog's whining. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> All right. See you next time. Bye.